Bunnies round the ring, chipmunks chattering, and the voices of children all over the world singing songs that are full of carfulos good news. Yes, the voices of children all over the world singing songs that are full of carfulos good news. There are sounds so so beautiful, heavenly sweet sounds that bring angels to mind. Symphonies, wind through the trees, choruses of birds, harmony in thirds, and the voices of children all over the world singing songs that are. The voices of children all over the world Singing songs that are full of carful of good news And the voices of children all over the world Singing songs that are full of good news Singing about Jesus sure makes your heart feel happy. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible and Living Sound. The work of Christ on earth was hastening to a close. Before him, in vivid outline, lay the scenes of his suffering and death. Every pang that would rend his heart, every insult that would be heaped upon his head, Every privation that he would be called upon to endure was open to his view. The shadow of an unspeakable woe was upon him. Yet he was filled with joy at the knowledge that by giving his life, he would make it possible for man to obtain life everlasting. The chosen twelve did not understand what lay before their beloved master. Neither did they know that soon he would leave them, that they would face the world without him and the comfort of his visible presence. They knew not the hatred and unbelief they themselves must endure. The Savior longed to prepare them for the trials that he knew would come. Jesus and his disciples were now come into the town of Caesarea Philippi, a region where idolatry prevailed. Heathen worship and superstition surrounded them. Withdrawing from his disciples, Jesus went unto a place of solitude. Father, love thou art, hallowed is thy name. Thy kingdom endureth from everlasting to everlasting. Help me, my Father, to bring to my beloved disciples a true understanding of what lies before them. Help me, Father, to prepare them to stand faithful and true under all adversity. I have brought them here away from the influence of Judaism, here where heathenism abounds, here where we will be drawn closer to each other, here where I may lead them to understand more fully their responsibility to the heathen and to all nations, kindreds, tongues, and peoples. Prepare their hearts, O Father, 
that they may readily receive words of truth. I thank thee, Father, for the wonderful words of... Upon returning to his disciples, Jesus did not immediately impart to them the truth of his fast-approaching death and resurrection. Instead, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? The people? Well, most refuse to admit that thou art the Messiah. Many who have witnessed thy miracles declare that thou art the son of David. Well, those who were fed at Bethsaida want you to be their king. Many who believed the preaching of John the Baptist said that thou art another John. Some say Elijah. Some say Moses. Or Jeremiah. Some are ready to accept thee, Master, as a prophet, but are not ready but to... But whom say ye that I am? Thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Peter did not, neither can humanity of itself, possess knowledge of the divine, of the deep mysteries of heaven. Prophets have written, It is as high as heaven. What canst thou do deeper than hell? What canst thou know? God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Jesus continued saying unto Peter, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Later, Matthew, what do you think? Well, I don't think that Jesus meant that Peter would have a higher place in the church than any of us. Jesus ordained us, all of us, and we are to hold equal authority in the work of Jesus. Could it be that by church he meant kingdom? That you, Peter, will be prime minister of that kingdom? No. Jesus said church, and I'm sure that church is exactly what he meant. What did he mean by rock? What does the scripture have to say about rock? You're quite a student, Matthew. You answer that. <laughs> a scripture mentions stone or rock several places. Also foundation. In all cases where used figuratively or prophetically, it refers to Christ, the Messiah. I know that Moses said, the Lord is the rock. David used the same expression in one of the Psalms. The Lord is my rock. And Isaiah said, The Lord is a great rock in a weary land, a sure foundation, a cornerstone. Jesus is the rock, a sure foundation. And upon the rock Christ Jesus will his church be built, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. continue the Bible story tomorrow, and if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. <laughs> 
to drive me home. No problem. As a matter of fact, now I can ask you a question about something that's been bugging me. Okay. Remember what the preacher at church said about praying last week? You mean about how we should pray without ceasing? Yeah, without ceasing. What's that mean? Well, ceasing means stopping, so I guess he's saying we should never stop praying. That's what I thought, but that's impossible. I mean, look at my dad. He's driving a car. If he closed his eyes and started praying without ceasing, we'd be in big trouble. And how about pilots and airplanes or doctors right in the middle of a big operation? You don't see them always praying. Oh, Carlos, you don't stop what you're doing, kneel down and close your eyes to pray. You can just think a prayer while you're doing other stuff. Think a prayer? Yeah, like, let's say you're riding a bicycle and you look around and it's a really beautiful day. If you closed your eyes to pray, you'd probably run into a cow or something. So you just think, hey God, nice day, love the flowers. Or if I'm taking a test at school, for instance, a history test. Like the one we had today? Yeah, I can just think, hello God, I thought I was ready for this test, but my brain is on vacation. So if you could just help me remember the answer to number 37, I'd really appreciate it. That's the idea. Praying without ceasing means being able to pray anytime, anywhere. And by the way, the answer was Napoleon. Napoleon! The Spanish guy. French. I think I need to pray more. 
Jesus wants to be our friend. He's interested in everything we do and longs to be included in our lives. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with Him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. The Easter story you're about to hear is so amazing that it's almost too good to be true. But it is true. In fact, the miracle of the resurrection is one of the most well-documented facts in history. Doubters have never been able to explain how else Jesus' body could have disappeared from the tomb. That's because it's kind of hard to explain away the earthquake and the angel who announced that Jesus was not there but had risen. It's just like a mystery story come to life. Good choice of words since that's exactly what Jesus did. Have you seen him with your very own eyes? No, but Jesus did appear to more than 300 people after he rose from the dead. Wow, that's a lot of eyewitnesses. Sounds amazing. It is amazing that Jesus came back from the dead, but it really did happen. All the stories in the Bible about Jesus are true. Well, tell me more of them. you've joined me today for another story just for you. Garbage Can Boy by Dorothy Aitken. Please let me ride my bicycle to school today, Dad, Jerry begged as he shoveled a forkful of scrambled eggs into his mouth. It really isn't very icy, and the other boys all ride theirs. Sorry, Jerry, Dad shook his head emphatically. I know riding is more fun than walking, but the streets are too icy in the mornings and much too dangerous. Suppose you fell down in front of a car. I don't get it, Jerry pouted. Why can the other boys ride theirs? 
Well, for one thing, they are all bigger boys. You're only in the second grade, you know. Yes, but I can ride just as good as Hans Peter can, even if he is a fifth grader. Dad was not to be moved, so Jerry finished his breakfast in silence and got ready to go to school. Jerry loved his church school. Even though there were only two children in his second grade class, the teacher made school fun. All the students appreciated their school more because it had been in existence only a short time. Always before, keeping Sabbath had been a problem in public school, for Jerry grew up in Switzerland. Switzerland has one of the best educational systems in the world, but at that time it operated its public schools six days a week. That meant that all the children were required to attend classes on Sabbath. So when the leaders of the church decided to operate their own Seventh-day Adventist school, every child was jubilant. No longer would the Adventists in public school have to go to the municipal building on Monday morning and pay fines for skipping school on Sabbath. Even though Jerry had never had to worry about these things since he was only beginning his education, he had heard about the problems from the older students. There was only one thing that bothered Jerry, and he was thinking about it this morning as he finished his scrambled eggs and gulped down his ovomaltine. The big boys from the junior high school took the same interurban train that Jerry had to ride to school when the weather got too bad to ride his bike. When these bigger boys had discovered that Jerry was attending the Advent school, they had decided he was a fair target for teasing. Jerry had never told his parents much about his troubles with the big boys. Mother had vaguely heard him say once that the reason he was late coming home for lunch was that the big boys wouldn't let him get on the train. But the lunch break always lasted two hours, and that gave him enough time to catch the next train. So Mother had advised him to wait until the older boys left the station. After Jerry headed to school on that cold morning, Mother busied herself with ironing, cleaning, and cooking. It wasn't until she put lunch on the table and Dad arrived home to eat that she realized that Jerry was unusually late. You didn't see Jerry along the way coming up from the station, she asked as Dad entered the house on the wings of a cold gust of winter air. Not a sign of him. I thought he'd be here by now. Well, he usually is. Even when he misses the first train, he gets in before 12. I wonder what could have happened to him. You don't suppose it's those big boys, she asked, half to herself. The next train should be in by now, Dad said, looking at his watch. I'll drive down to the station and pick him up. Mother watched uneasily from the balcony as Dad drove away. Surely those boys wouldn't really harm a smaller child. Dad drove to the station, arriving just in time to see the little blue train pull in. He got out and waited for Jerry to get off, but in a few seconds the train moved on. No Jerry. Dad wrinkled his brow as he stepped into the car. The only thing to do was to go to the station at the school and find out what had happened. Dad parked the car at the station and went inside. Deserted. Not a soul in sight except for the old man in his green visored cap behind the wicker window. He looked up questioningly as Dad peered around the empty room. Could Jerry be hiding behind the building? Dad walked around the station. Nothing. No one. That whole end of the town was exceptionally quiet, for all the business people and students had long since gone home for their long lunch break. Dad stood thinking, wondering what he should do next. He was about to leave when he heard the garbage can rattle behind him. He turned, giving the can only a quick glance as he prepared to go back to the car. And then he heard something else. Dad! Dad! came a muffled cry from the garbage can. Dad couldn't believe his ears. Dad! 
Here I am, Dad. Dad strode to the garbage can and lifted the lid. There sat Jerry, scrunched down in the empty can, his head between his knees, shivering with cold. What in the world are you doing here? exclaimed Dad as he lifted Jerry out. Those big boys, Jerry began stretching himself. They said Advent kids are just garbage, so they took me and stuffed me into this can. They said if I tried to get out, they would kill me. Weren't you afraid, Jerry? Dad said. Oh, not really, Jerry answered with a bit of a swagger. I knew that when I didn't come home, you'd come looking for me. And I prayed, too, he said, getting into the car. Dad drove homeward. The lid was on that can awfully tight, Jerry said. I tried to push up against it, but it wouldn't budge. But I knew you'd find me. Jerry smiled at his dad. And Dad had something to think about all the way home. How sweet is trust, and how comforting to know that our Heavenly Father also goes looking for us when we are in difficulty, and will bring us home with Him. The story you have heard today is from God's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. children come please let the children come children's bible journey was brought to you by 3abn australia radio and is a production of life talk radio at lifetalk.net